Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. So yes, today we're going to be doing Discipleship Part 4. And this is a very important one because it is titled Finding Home. Say Finding Home. Finding Home. home. Hallelujah. And so this is very important. I know it's a question a lot of you have had. In Discipleship Part 1, we started to talk about, um, you know, what it means to really be a disciple, be a student of the Word. You know, we did an emphasis and, you know, we laid an emphasis on discipleship as an instruction in the word. You know, after that, we've done quite a number of things. And in the last teaching, we saw the effects of right discipleship. You know, we saw in people like, uh, in Paul's letter to Philemon about Onesimus. We saw Onesimus being discipled and being effective. And so in today's teaching, it's going to be a little bit more practical to what you're experiencing. So after teaching you all of that, the goal now is to help you understand how to find home. How to find home. Hallelujah. Alright, let's go straight into the teaching. Father, as we go into your word, I pray that it comes with simplicity and with power. I pray that your word is instructive, is corrective, and our hearts are ready to receive it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Alright. At the beginning of this year, a lot of people sent me a few messages, you know, telling me, thank you, Sarah, for all you did for us last year. Thank you for the Catalyst community. Thank you for, you know, everything that, that, that has happened here. Before I joined the Catalyst community, this was where I was. But since I joined the Catalyst community, this is the kind of progress I've had. And how many of you have the same testimony? That since you joined the Catholic community, there's been exponential progress for you and joining your faith. Hallelujah. And that's amazing. And every time I hear this, every time someone get, enters my DM to say, Sir, thank you very much. Every time someone says that I, I, I didn't know where I was before, before I met the Catholic community, it, it brings me to a place of humility to God. That God can, through us, do such great things that God can, you know, through us, change people's lives. I was talking to um, someone recently, and the person was, was, was telling me about someone in the fellowship, how every time she sees this person very consistent in the meetings, you know, attending every meeting, she's always excited because she knew where he was before now. And now, you can see visible changes. You can see progress. You can see joy in the faith. You can see an effectiveness in the person's life. That somebody who couldn't pray one hour before is joining a meeting to pray three hours. That's progress. And me personally, I don't know how to process emotions on the spot. And so you can send me a message now with a, with a lot of um, emotions. And at the time when I read it, I don't get to process it. I, I understand what you're writing. I, I acknowledge it and I'm like, thank God. But at that time, I might not have processed the emotion. So sometimes, I just sit down and I go over such messages. You know. And this time, I think about it deeply. And so after a lot of people sent me messages at the beginning of the year, I read through many of the messages about how the Catholic community has changed people's lives. And I, I just took a moment to see that what we're doing here is creating so much impact in people's lives. And being a witness to such drastic change that can happen in a person's life as a result of joining the right community, the testimonies are humbling. Because it wasn't that these people weren't attending somewhere before. It just happened to be that they joined the right place and in this right place we were able to get the best out of them. And if you remember in the last teaching, I mentioned that your disciple matters. Onesimus was a servant 
Theologians believe that, many theologians agree with me that he was a servant. I mean, scripture makes us see somewhat that he was a servant to Philemon. But now, being discipled by Paul, we see an effectiveness. And so Paul can write to Philemon and say that I have trained him for him to be both beneficial to both you and me. Do you see that? This is important. And when I read those messages, it just makes me know that we must be doing something right. Can I tell you something? That was what kept me going last year. With how inconsistent some people can be sometimes, I'm just like, God, what's going on? But the progress I see in some other people's lives just makes me know that we're doing something right. We're doing something right. We're doing something right. And this is a testament to right discipleship. This is a testament to coming in contact with the right type of message. That there is something about teaching people the right message that can change their lives forever. There is something about the message that can make a person attend a meeting every Sunday and every Thursday for a whole year without willing to miss it. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There's something about the message that can make someone who was not interested in God at all, someone who was losing faith, become someone who is strong in God. There is something about it that can make very young people in the university catch fire so much so that they go everywhere in their hostel and they are getting people filled with the Spirit, even without my involvement. There's something about the message that makes somebody who are healed of a knee problem believe that she has the capacity to heal and she goes about her campus healing different people of knee problem. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's something about the message that causes exponential growth, that causes you to catch something. There's something about the structures. There's something about the people that changes lives. And so if you open with me to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles. And I've explained to you that this means he gave truly apostles. But the men were the gifts he gave. So he gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave pastors and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints. So he gave ministry gifts to perfect the saints. He says for the work of ministry. He says for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I did a very brief commentary on this in the first part of this teaching. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you take some time to listen to it. It should be uploaded soon. But verse 11, you know, sorry. After verse 11, when you get to verse 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of fullness in Christ. It says till we all come to the unity of the faith. When you look at the text very closely, you have to see what it says. Paul is saying that ministry gifts are to equip you till we all come to the unity of the faith. It says unity of the faith. Not unity in faith. And I'll explain the difference. Unity of the faith uses the definite article, the, to mean that it's talking about a definite faith, a definite message. Are you with me? What many people think this means when they read it is unity despite faith or unity in spite of faith. But it says unity of the faith. 
When you read it straight, you might easily think he's saying till we all come, you know, to unity, unity, unity in faith, you know. We just love each other. We have unity regardless of what you are teaching, regardless of what you believe, as long as we love each other. But that's not what he's saying. In the context and in what we're reading, he says till we come to unity of the faith. So, faith is what defines our unity. I will explain what I mean by that. The unity that we're talking about has to do with what you believe. It has to do with the faith. It's not in spite of what you believe. It has everything to do with what you believe. It's the faith. It's a definite message. What this means is that he's not just talking about holding hands with people. Mm -mm. The better rendition of this is unanimity. That is, we all believe the same thing. The unity is in what we believe. So listen, we can experience unity in the faith with a church that is in Ghana that we have never seen before if we believe the same thing, the faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whereas, you can be in the same locality with a church that is on the same street with your church and you are holding hands every day and there is no unity of faith. You know what I'm saying? You can do everything, welfare, hold somebody, tell him that you love him with all the churches in that street. But you are not in unity in the faith with them if you don't believe the same things. Do you get what I'm talking about? You see, a lot of us think that what this text is implying is let's just love ourselves. Let's just love. Let's just all just unite. It doesn't matter what you believe. You know, as long as you are called a church. Are you a church? Yes. Love them. But that's not what this text is talking about. This text is talking about being united in doctrine. United in doctrine. So as long as you are teaching what is doctrinally right, we are in unity of faith with you. That's the unity we're talking about. Are you with me? You might have unity in association with people, but this text is talking about the fact that ministry gives to raise you to you. You have unity in the faith. A lot of questions have come to me about this before. So what we are talking about here is not as long as every as long as it's a church, let's unite. No. We are saying we can be united in the faith if you stay in sound doctrine. That's unity of the faith. That's unity of the faith. When you understand this, you would see clearly that the problem is not that there are many churches, the problem is that there are many messages. Do you understand? That's the question people ask me. The problem is not that there are many churches. The problem is that there are too many different messages. We can have unity in the faith. Unity. If we teach the same thing. The same message. What's that message? Some doctrine. How do we get it? Jesus If Jesus is the express image of God, he places a premium on the teaching ministry of Jesus. Hebrews says that God who had sundry times and in diverse manner spoken to us in the past through the prophets, he said he has now spoken to us through his son, through Jesus. He calls him the express image of God. So Jesus reveals God. And if Jesus reveals God, if Jesus is the man from heaven, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. John in that place was trying to tell us that Jesus is a man from heaven. If Jesus is a man from heaven, it means that whatever he teaches is what God is telling us. Is this clear? It puts a premium on the teaching ministry of Jesus. And so Jesus becomes the author of sound doctrine. Whatever Jesus taught on this earth is sound doctrine. And Jesus taught it to 12 guys whom he gathered, the apostles. For all the time of his ministry, they followed him. Later on he came and he taught them again for about 40 days. 
So then become how we, we receive sound doctrine. And I said all of that to make you understand that there is sound doctrine. There is sound doctrine. So we have unity with our brethren all over the world, in China, in Togo, in Paris. If we are united in doctrine, that's what this text is talking about. We can truly support your work. We can truly recommend you to people when we are sure that you are teaching sound doctrine. Do you hear what I'm saying? When this is clear, when this is the priority of the church, there will be less of a competition. So, if I have a brother who is doing ministry in China, and you are joining me, maybe online, I can tell you, oh, I have a brother whose church is in China. Please go there. I have a brother who is in the U.S., his church is a good church. This is the unity we're talking about. Is this clear? This is the unity we're talking about. And I know why I'm taking my time to emphasize it. This is the unity we're talking about. We can truly support and recommend other ministries that are getting it right. We can trust that there is unity. What we have today is almost the opposite. It's almost the opposite. <laughs> you know, when people start reaching out to you and they're like, you know that church? Let's pray for them. You think it's actual is that they are, is, they are spiting them. Are you with me? Let me tell you something. The Bible is very vocal on warnings against false doctrine. And I learned something from my pastor. My pastor says, if you want to know what to emphasize, look at what the Bible emphasizes. Are you with me? The Bible had a strong emphasis against false teachers, against false doctrine. At one point, names were even mentioned. Beware of this person. Beware of such people. In Galatians, Paul had to come and address it. Beware of such people. He says, if anyone comes to teach you another message than the message we have delivered to you, let him be cursed. He says, even if he's an angel. Are you with me? They're very vocal about this. Very vocal. The Bible is very vocal. It was a serious issue. In our Bible study on Ephesians, we saw Paul in Acts chapter 20. You know, he repeated it. He says, for three years I do not cease to warn you day and night with tears in my, in my eyes that there are guys that are coming. Wolves. How many of you remember in the last meeting we had? There are guys that are coming. There are wolves. The Bible is very vocal about it. One time Jesus was working with his disciples. And he was telling them about the leaven of the Pharisees. They thought he was talking about bread. It was like, have you forgotten I was the one that multiplied bread? How can I be talking about that you forgot bread? He was talking about false teachings, the false teachings of the Pharisees. Are you with me? This is important. Why am I showing you this? It's because when it comes to finding home, when it comes to finding a good local church or community to belong, this is very important. Because many people think you can just pick up, travel anywhere, and attend any church. And many people think it's love work. They're like, you know, you know, we're, we're all a church. I can wake up and go to this church. You know? Many people think it's love work. It's not, it's not love work, oh. Many people think once you get to a community, the best church is probably the church that is behind you, the closest to reach, so they just start going there. Because it's closest. But think about it. When you travel to a new city, 
Many of you have parents who are very conscious of very important things. Number one, the closest police station. Number two, the closest hospital and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to picking a hospital, do you go to the closest hospital beside you? Be sincere. No. When it comes to choosing a school, do you go to the closest school beside you? No. Some of you travel from Abuja to Ogun State for university. Some of you travel from Lagos. Some of you travel from Nigeria to Russia to US for school. So I'm not shaking anybody. <laughs> for school. But when it comes to church, let's just go to the closest. There's a reason why I'm showing going to the fastest church, the earliest church you can find around you, the, the closest church, is not love walk. Even the in, in Bible in Bible terms is immaturity. Are you with me? It's immaturity. Many people think just believe in any church and support any church. That's love. But the Bible calls that immaturity. The Bible calls, calls such people children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. For some of you, the problem is not that you can even go to any church. The problem is that you go for you go to one and they will invite 15 people to that church. The 15 of them will contradict themselves and you'll still be blessed. You can go for any meeting, any gathering. And some people genuinely think that probably doing this makes them good Christians. But the Bible says it makes you a baby. Did you hear that? Makes you a baby. For some of you, it's probably the, the fastest, you know, moving church right now. You know, I heard this. Sometimes I refrain from using some examples because I might not have permission to share some examples. Yeah, I will not mention names, but <laughs> so let me just divert that example to a different direction. Some of you, what takes you to church is business. This church is doing business empowerment. That's where we'll find you. Tomorrow, business opportunity. This church, they, know, they don't care about us. So they are not teaching. Them. Some of you, it's sad. What will take you and make you miss a Sunday service is that your friend's church is doing Suya night. Jesse Sunday. Or oh, they are doing show. You know those shows that they will puts you outside and use projector to show the passion of Christ. Then everybody will cry. They show one scary movie. And at the end they'll say, we hope you've been blessed. Like that man, many of you are. Let me mention the one that a lot of people will laugh at, but some of you are in that shoe. You go to the church that they used to, their first time as they used to have dinner with them. It's the food that carries you to church. <laughs> the Bible says that makes you a baby. It says it calls it calls such people children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. In First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse thirty-three. First Corinthians fifteen and verse thirty-three. And let me not go ahead of myself also. I just wanted to mention this. You see, from everything I taught you, when it comes to discipleship, the, 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 the disciple is a student. Do you remember when I taught you that? It's a student. There's a curriculum he needs to go through. So what many people think when it comes to discipleship is I can go to any place and pick from their curriculum and build if you do that in your university now, you attend three different universities simultaneously, you choose the class you want to go, would you pass the exam? That's how many of you want to do in faith. But even aside from that, the teaching is important. The doctrine is important. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 
It says, be not deceived. Evil communication does what? I want you to open your Bible and let me know when you're there. 1 Corinthians 15. 33. Alright, it's on the screen as well. It's on the screen as well. It says, be not deceived. Evil communication does what? Corrupt good manners. And a lot of people think he's talking about morality here. And yes, evil communication corrupts good manners. But interestingly, in the context of this chapter, he was talking about doctrine. He was talking about doctrine. If you go to the top and you look at what he started to say, he was addressing them concerning doctrine. Concerning doctrine. Hallelujah. Some guys were believing that, you know, they, they, they had a funny doctrine about raising the dead. If you look at verse 32, it says, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. He says, remember what happened at Ephesus, right? The guys, uh-huh. He now says, what advantage is it for me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow with that. If you look at the top, you see the conversation that happened here. He was trying to prove that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And if Jesus resurrected from the dead, then our faith is true. And then he addressed some people that say there's no resurrection from the dead. And some people who had a funny doctrine. Then later he comes to 33 and says, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. So he was talking about doctrine. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you associate with the wrong type of teachings, there's a problem. Don't think you can just attend any church. You say, as long as they are teaching something, it's my personal work with God. I'll just keep sifting it. At least I know. At least I know. The Bible says, be not deceived. Don't try it. You think you'll be sifting, 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 sifting? Don't try it. Don't try it. Some of you, I, brought, I see you reading something on your story, and I send you a DM. Are you sure about this book? I know of you are very defensive. It has happened to quite a number of people. I'll ask you, are you sure about this book? And I get very defensive about it. But it's because every true disciple is jealous about what you are fed. Every true pastor is jealous about what you are fed. Because evil communication corrupts good manners. Don't be deceived. You think, let me just keep listening. Don't worry. Don't let me just take it. Don't let me just. This is important. Some of you, for you, it's, I like this church because of the worship. Love you are in that boat. Just, I just like the worship. It's just the way. So you go for a church meeting and the worship is too hard. But the word is 30 minutes. I just like the worship. I just like the worship. Glory. Oh. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> or you go for a meeting, they invite 10 people for the meeting, 15, 15 minutes. <laughs> Not to now talk about if I all of them safe and now it's saying different things. Oh, you are blessed. Oh, you are blessed. But the Bible says, be not deceived. It will affect you later. It would affect you. It would affect you. Like, I, I, I just think that the Lord will just have me be here. You, you know, uh, I, I don't know. The excellence, there's something about the ambience. I just, I just can't tell you what it is. The, uh, wow. Be not deceived. Evil communication does what? Corrupts good manners. You think you can sift and sift and sift? It's going to corrupt you. It's going to get to you. Hallelujah. Galatians 5.9 It says a little leaven. Leaven the whole lump. 
Some of you don't know what this means. Do you know what leaven is? Who knows what leaven is? Yeast. Once a little enters the door, problem. That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, you know what? You can't mix the two of them. A little of this can corrupt everything. I used to tell people, I said, you are better off ignorant than misguided. Some people, the biggest problem they have is that a little here, a little there until... <laughs> you know, too many cooks. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the aesthetic can be right. They can get the music right. They can be excellent, but if the core is not there, it's not a church. It's almost like a car. Everything can be there. If the engine is not there, it's not a car. It's not effective. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It says, but after their own loss, they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. That's what is happening to many people. It was said in scriptures. They don't want to endure the teachings. Two hours of teaching is too long for you. But two hours of football is not too long. 45, 45 minutes, extra time, penalties. You would watch it. Two hours of worship is not too much, too. I'm not sure you didn't worship, but I love worship, oh. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm just, you know, as the Spirit is giving me the words, I'm just, okay. So those who need to accept, just receive I'm correct. Good? <laughs> All right. Do you know what I'm saying? It says they would heap unto themselves teachers. Some of you, there was nothing wrong with the place you were before. You just saw this new place. Your ear was itching. I want something deeper. Deeper rema. Deeper, deeper revelation. I want more mysteries. That's the problem. You know, a man of God I respect so much once told me something. We're having a conversation. And he said, someone invited him for a meeting. And he was like, oh, what would you have me teach? And they're like, deep stuff. And he's like, what do you mean by deep stuff? He said, we have gone through all your sermons. And we want something deeper. He said, I don't have anything deeper. <laughs> I don't have anything deeper. People just want to eat, you know, itching ears. You're looking for something that sounds new. Can I tell you something? When it comes to discipleship, repetition is the key to mastery. The people that are getting it right are the people that keep repeating the same things to you until you get it. So maybe you just need to be patient. And this is how you are enabling such, such things to happen. People that are teaching wrong things. When you jump from place to place and you support their work. There was something my pastor said yesterday. I was like, it's true. If you want to make a ministry, you can do project management. And your church will grow. Just do a little research. Just get the research person. Do a little research on the community. What do they like? Get it. Music, Abby. Aesthetics. Good toilets. Okay. Just do it. What ministers do they like? Invite the minister to church. Then after that, just... Do some, just do normal research. Your church will grow. When I say grow, it does not mean they are growing in the faith. It means the number will increase. You know what I'm saying? Just do project, project management. Ah, okay, okay. Ah, just map it. This city mm, looks like there are more people that will listen to us there. Check, do survey, carry out survey. You know all those things. But there is something that will still be missing. The call, the message. The message. Some people, once you are uncomfortable with the rigor somewhere, you will find another place. Mm. 
So when you're looking out for a church or a community to grow, what should you look out for? I'll give you four major things that I've learned and I also believe four major things that if you don't see in a community, run or hold your ear, say run or run or Number one, proper understanding of the gospel. What did I call it? Proper understanding of the gospel. See, this here is the epicenter of our faith. If you emphasize every other thing but this one, you are wrong. Do you understand? This is how we are saved. The same gospel that got you saved is the same gospel that will cause you to, uh, to mature. You know what I'm saying? This is the epicenter. A full understanding of the gospel. I mean, well understood that it, it is properly taught. If the gospel is missing, there is nothing. It is not the church of Christ. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be biased about the message. What I'm saying because you preach grace now and gospel, you don't want anybody to. It is because it's what the Bible says we should emphasize. It's the core of the message. The central theme of the Bible is salvation. From Old to New Testament, the central theme is Jesus and his salvation plan. The Bible is the compendium of the plan, provision, and announcement of salvation. If you emphasize any other thing than that, there's a problem. Are you with me? A lot of people, when it comes to this, you are more sentimental about the man of God than the message itself. But you need to be able to pick the message of Christ over any other thing. Did you hear what I said? You need to be able to pick the message of Christ over. Regardless of your sentiments for the man of God, there is honor for men of God, yes, but regardless of your sentiments for the man of God, you need to be able to pick the message over those sentiments. Hallelujah. This is important. Christ has done a work that has to be emphasized. It's our responsibility to announce it. He has done it. He just said announce it. So if you are emphasizing every other thing but that, there's a problem. If the central theme of your message in church is how the people that don't tithe, their message will be their, their hand will be tight or things will be tight for them, there's a problem. Or you still emphasize that salvation is by works, there's a problem. Because you are making the work of Christ of non effect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let God be true, right? So let's stick to the word of God. If your favorite man of God is not teaching the word of the true gospel, the gospel, pick the message. Do you hear me? Pick the message. Listen, there was a time where the grace message wasn't popular. Some of you can relate now. Some six years back, it was not as well known as it is now. And that's surprising, but the funny thing is that there were some people who were preaching it. So it doesn't have to be the popular message. Do you get what I'm saying? What you believe is not the popular message. What you believe is what the Bible teaches. There are different things that will come and become popular. After that, financial this thing, breakthrough, became popular. Things will come, but our emphasis should be on what? What the Bible emphasizes. The word of God. The word of God. So you can find yourself in a situation where you can't make a decision to stick with the word of God because of biases. But you have to choose the word of God regardless of the bias. You can find yourself in a situation where you have to teach certain people. And one of the things you want to teach, your friend does not agree with it. And so you want to change your message. No. Stick to the word of God. Stick to the word of God. Stick to the word of God. 
Listen, Paul was in such a situation. Paul was in such a situation. The other apostles, they were with Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of what Jesus did. Now, Paul, you know, God had an encounter, you know, met Ananias. Ananias um, opened his eyes. He started growing in the faith. Started receiving revelation and, and being able to explain the things of Jesus Christ. And, you know, that, you know, if you notice in some of his writings, he would always want to talk about his apostleship because it was like me, him that he was not, you know, with Jesus in, in Jesus' ethnic ministry when he was teaching. And then you have the other guys, Peter, all of them. Peter, that Jesus is saying, you know, you are Peter upon, you know, this rock. I'll be my church and the gate of hell will not prevail. And then Peter is getting carried away. And then Paul, the one that was not even with them, he had to speak. Do you understand? He had to speak up. There will be situations where the people who you honor might be getting it wrong. It does not, wait, see, it does not throw away the honor you have for them. It does not throw away the grace of God on their life. Neither does it throw away all the great things they've done for the ministry. It does not make their labor a waste. But on this subject matter, sir, I just don't agree. And I'm not talking about somebody just waking up one morning and ranting all over WhatsApp and calling out men of God. <laughs> There's order. Do you get what I'm saying? But I'm saying many times you will be in situations that seem contradictory. Situations where there are many things to consider. Someone you love over the message. Choose the word. In Galatians 2.11 It says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him face to face. Sorry, there was no face to face there. I withstood him to the face. <laughs> because he was to be blamed. For before that, Satan came from James. He did not eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. In verse 13, he says, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So, you need to see what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, yes, the Jews believe that, is that even if you are saved through faith by Jesus Christ, you still be circumcised. But you know better. You know that Jesus came and died for both the Jews and Gentiles, circumcised and uncircumcised. And so it's like, I, I, I heard about Peter. Peter was separating himself from the uncircumcised people just because of what the circumcised people would, would say about it. He says, I withstood him to his face. He went on to say, even Barnabas. So Barnabas, you that me and you were doing ministry together. Now we are with OG Peter. You cannot stand up for the faith. You are getting carried away. You two are running away from Gentiles. Do you see this? It says in verse 40, it says, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou be a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as much do the Jews, why compels thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? So he confronted him. And this does not mean that you should go and confront all the men of God now. Your relationship with your men of God now is not the same as Peter's relationship with Paul. Are you with me? Uh -huh. But there are ways. You get what I'm saying? You go and meet them no mention names. I just, I just I don't know you. <laughs> but there are ways. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are ways. There are ways to I say I don't because the more you indulge such teachings, the more you, you add to the danger daring. Do you understand what I'm saying? The more you add to the danger daring. I repeat again, there is order in the body of Christ. So this does not mean you will see him on your no. There are some men of God like this that if they appear in this room, I'll leave you people and go and raise up my hand. They should lay hands on me, then I'll come back and teach you. <laughs> you understand? Mm -hmm. 
like I said, this does not mean I agree with what they are saying or I'm indulging with some of the things. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm saying be able to stand your ground. Obviously, you know that I stand my ground on the things and I follow where I know that the things are right. I don't indulge. Do you get? I don't indulge such teachings, neither do I recommend them to anybody. Alright? This is important. The problem is that Barnabas was silent. And just the same way, a lot of people here are silent. But if you're silent about it, it will cause problems for many other people in the body of Christ. So if I say because of my bias, I'm not going to teach you this, there will be problems. You know what I'm saying? I can't. I have to clearly tell you that this is what it is. This is what the Bible says and this is what we should do. You know what I'm saying? This is important. Wrong teachings have caused plenty issues to people in many places. There are people that is, is false doctrine that has made them leave the church. Like somebody did not pay his tithe today and then you let him know that the devourer will devour him and his mommy is sick and he said that that's the work of the devourer because he did not pay his tithe. You know, funny things. I think the saddest for me is that I've seen the devil manipulate people because of wrong knowledge. It's not anything I, 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 I wish on anybody. When I saw it happen before me, that the devil was manipulating somebody because of wrong knowledge, because the person doesn't think that she's worthy, someone that Christ died for, the person did not even know that she's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, did not even know the believer's authority, and the devil took advantage of that to oppress her. You can't, you can't endorse such. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't endorse such. You can't endorse such. People died for this message. I'm telling you, people went a long way to get this grace message we're even talking about. People went a long way to get it where it is. And you, instead of you to push it further, you are hiding under. You know it's true. Why not spread it more? Paul died on this matter to emphasize that salvation is by faith and faith alone. Number two. Their theology about money. And I've partially addressed it in the first part. Their theology about money. What do they believe about money? God is no respecter of person. So if you go to a church and that is not evident, and the people that are treated with more respect and the people that have money, there's a problem. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a problem. What do they say about money? Is money more emphasized than the message of the gospel? Are you with me? Is the church truly money-seeking? Are the sermons to get you scared? So that Can I tell you something? And you know, it's how passionate I am about this teaching that is that is getting me. I'm like, ah, oh, that's it. <laughs> it's because it's important. It's important. They use wrong interpretation of scriptures to get you to give money. You know, everybody in the church is so money conscious. So money conscious. The level at which you know that God is working in somebody's life in that church is the level at which they have money. So, someone comes to give testimony, and when you hear their lingo, you just understand that I don't think these guys get it. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't think these guys get it. Or you hear things like, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and every other thing will be added on. Their mind is not on what they are seeking first. Their mind is still on every other thing that will be added. So they are not truly seeking first the kingdom of God. Do you get? 
The only reason why they are there is because of every other thing that we are there. So they are not truly seeking. So the focus is on money, 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 money. Today, financial breakthrough. Tomorrow, tomorrow that. Next, tomorrow that. Any teaching on Jesus Christ, you see money in it. He that was rich was made poor. You say Jesus was poor so that you can become rich. So if you are poor, you are a disgrace. What is that? What is that? You are laughing, but people teach this. <laughs> Have you heard people say that if you are poor, you are not in the true identity of God for your life? People say funny stuff. People say funny stuff. Church has become dress competition. People give suspicious testimonies. <laughs> and everybody's upset to be church. The goal is let's show ourselves. In First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, let as many servants as under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of, G- of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. It says, these things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to doctrine, which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comment envy, strife, railings, even summarizing, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw yourself. People who think that gain is godliness, withdraw from them. Come to God, you'll never be poor in your life. Believe Jesus, all your debts will be paid. That's not God. Gain is not godliness. The true picture is Paul. When he says, all I have, I count it all loss. For the excellency of Christ. Or Jesus saying that in this world you face tribulation. That's our message. You are not coming here for a rose this morning. You will face tribulation, but have no fear. Do you know what I'm saying? Things will be hard sometimes. Sometimes you will not get job because of what you believe in. Because all the other jobs go contrary to your faith. That's what you have to be taught. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to reject offers. Just because of what you stand for. I was telling someone, I said, there are some jobs I cannot do today. Because it will take too much of my time and I will not be able to do all God has asked me to do. I think I don't want to drive Benz. <laughs> People supposing that money is more, is more spirituality. No! Any place where the emphasis is just money, 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 alienate yourself from there. Did you hear me? Sir. Remove yourself from there. I've never taught you guys on this fellowship that any devourer will devour you if you don't tithe. Actually, you don't even tithe here. Only some people have reached out to say that, ah, am I giving my tithe here? But people still give generously. Right? We do not force them. Sometimes when I see the money, some people drop and like, hey. Jesus. People still give. The funniest thing, can I tell you the funniest thing? I've not thought on generosity. So there's something about the teachings that makes you selfless for the cause of Christ. No need to tell you to pledge on my daughter's virginity. Do you understand? All those funny things. Some people know what I'm talking about. The things I've heard. The things I've heard. <laughs> we never be caught up in the wrong circle. Amen. Alienate yourself from it. Alienate yourself from it. 
funny ideas of money. We don't need see. Do you know some churches have? I don't like doing all this way. I'll be picking out, but I just have to. Some churches have professional extortioners. That's what they call them. Like my church growing up, there's one man. Once he holds the mic, bah! <laughs> all of you will give everything in your pocket. That <laughs> man will wind you and make you feel guilty before God <laughs> until. <laughs> All the money you brought to church that day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Once they hold the mic, I <laughs> See, the Lord is about to release a grace for multi- multiplicity. And you just need to partake of that grace through 1,000 naira. Going, go. Now, auction. What is going, going? <laughs> now, Wow. <laughs> Once you hear funny things, run away. <laughs> run away. Hallelujah. The next thing, charismatic ministry. Charismatic ministry. Imagine that a lot of people are having problems with their minds. People, you know, close to going depressed. People about to die. People about to commit suicide. And as the man of God, I cannot discern and be able to, you know, handle the situation by the Spirit. Ah, I had a funny story. One man invited the man of God to his church. Music minister and teacher. The guy got there and as he started singing, people started screaming in the church. And then he went, started laying hands on them. Papa identified all the witches and wizards in the church. The pastor was saying, hey, hey, catch that one, catch that one. Hey! Pastor, your local community, which is a wizard. <laughs> Say, catch that one, catch that one, catch that one. <laughs> hey. Charismatic music is important too. Let me tell you something. Many times before something happens, God will tell your pastor for you. If your pastor cannot hear, wahala. Just know. <laughs> wahala. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is important. Charismatic ministry. When you attend a church or a community that subtly or indirectly mocks the manifestation of the power of God, run away. Growing up, many of us were brought that way. People falling under the power, they'll be making us laugh about it that is not true, it's fake. If you believe that it's fake, you will not see it work in your life. That's the thing about the supernatural. The moment you take it as a joke, you will not be able to partake of it. What you don't want, you cannot receive from. You understand? There are some things you cannot, there are some jokes that cannot be funny to me. So you go to a church, they say they are doing rabababarebarebesh, kiborobobo. Please, have you thought of a sermon on it before? Once you get, get to a place and they are laughing about charismatics, just pa-pa-pa. Live there. Let me tell you something. It's human reflex to make people think that something you don't see in your life is not necessary, is not needed. You know what I'm talking about now. That once you cannot do something, you think it. Let me tell you. There was a time one of my friends, very close friend, used to say something. He'll be ministering. And he'll just say, like, he'll say, unless God, he'll say, God called me, yo. And then I'll be like, why do you need to announce that God called you? Like I was vexing one kind, vexing. One day, I was in one meeting. The power of God flowed strongly. Everybody, pa, 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 pa. I said, hey, God called you. Then I knew that it was partial jealousy that was making me say that thing to him. I didn't say it to him directly. Do you get what I'm saying? Jasmine, is something burning in your house? That's the smoke. Please, Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> there will be problems. All right, I need to speed up now. It's already ten o'clock. Thank you guys for being patient with me. This teaching is very important, so I know why you guys are still here. So let's 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 keep it. I'm going to move at the speed of light now. So it's very important. Charismatic ministry. What do they say about it? Hallelujah! In Revelations one, the Bible says, "I wish I could open it." The Bible talked about you know when 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 John turned and he fell flat as dead. 
So when you are laughing about people falling about under the power as though it's a lie, we see many of it in scriptures. Are you with me? We see many of it in scriptures. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, it says, But covet endlessly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. It's either you are charismatic or you are not. Stop all this, I'm orthodox, I'm Baptist. <laughs> what does it mean to be orthodox? You are following the ways of the early church, right? Was the early church charismatic? Yes, then be charismatic. Was Jesus charismatic? Yes. Were the disciples charismatic? Yes. Then all of us should be charismatic. Did you get it? There's no, there's no too much talk about it. We're not talking denomination here. We are talking the word of God. Are you with me? We are talking the word of God. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 says, Follow after charity. Desire spiritual gifts. It's an instruction in the word. If you don't, you are disobeying the word. It's clear. Are you with me? Listen. Desire here is the only time you know this text and then there's another text in Romans that talks about covet endlessly when it comes to spiritual thing that's the only time that covetousness is used as a good thing all through the bible so the way you covet for things is the same way you should covet spiritual things endlessly desire endlessly desire hallelujah this is important i wish i could go into it and help you see how Tongues is correct. I plan to do that, but I don't have enough time. You say tongues is only for when you go for evangelism. But the writer told us that when someone prophesies, there should be an interpreter. If it's for evangelism, you don't need an interpreter. Are you reading your Bible? So this is very important. You say, no, no, no. All these people that, that are speaking in tongues, they are speaking something wrong. It's only when you go to China. You don't know how to speak Chinese. That's tongue. Mm-mm. Then you laugh at people that are praying in tongues, normally. When the Bible talks about speaking in tongues, it says your understanding is unfruitful. It says no man understands it. How be it your understanding? It says how be it you are talking to God. So if no man understands it, then if I go to China and I speak in tongues, no man can understand. Do you get The only way that what I'm saying can be clear to you is if there's, an, there's somebody functioning with another gift of the Spirit called interpretation of tongues. An interpretation of tongues is not translation of tongues. He doesn't understand word for word what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is going to give him utterance to be able to know what I'm saying. Hallelujah. So don't let people laugh and make jokes of healing. You know, this one I just need to add it. He'll tell you, ah, 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 you see all these people? Everybody will be for white camera and no fall. All those funny things. I never remember Catalyst Camp. I was praying for all of you online. The guy that was behind the camera almost fell down with the camera. But the reason why he doesn't fall is because he's focused. He's walking. You know that? It's not magic. <laughs> it's not magic. It's a communication of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Word of God will grow mightily and falsehood will be uprooted in my generation. Say it to yourself. In my generation, the Word of God will grow mightily and prevail, and would uphold false teachings, would uphold false teachers, in that city that I am in now, mention that city, in Lagos State, in Nigeria, the word of God will be taught mightily, it will prevail, and error will be removed, error will be removed, and just like Jesus says, every tree that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted, in the name of Jesus. Lastly, the church must be mission-minded, must be mission-minded. The predisposition of the church of Christ, the early church, was evangelism. The assignment that God sent us to do is to catch men. You see, when the Bible calls us the body of Christ, he knows what he was saying. Christ is the head, we are the body. Are you with me? Then it says he has put principalities and power under our feet. So we are the expression of the authority of Christ on this earth. He says we are the fullness of him that fills all the earth. So everything that Christ wants to do as the heir, as the head, it does through the church. And God's primary business is soul winning. And so my business is soul winning. And so if I'm a church and I'm not mission-minded, then there is a problem. So you have to be mission-minded. You have to be mission-minded. 
or church growth mindset has to be what you have. Your passion for evangelism has to be, we have to see it. This is why the church exists. So it's not optional. Hallelujah. If you are concerned about this, you cannot just come and invite comedians every time for your program. Every time, comedian, comedian, five comedians only. You are church growth conscious. So. Hallelujah. You have to ensure that you're, you're growing. You have to ensure that people who join your community or your church, who were timid in the space of three months to become people who are radical to catch souls for Christ. That's the goal. When I hear of the guys in Babcock and how passionate they are about evangelism, I'm like, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. It says he has committed unto us the, the ministry of reconciliation, the announcement of salvation. It's our responsibility to go. So if they are not mission-minded, run away. Do you know the biggest irony? That everything I said is seen as something deep for some people. So some people, they see that you evangelize, they're like, God, you are deep. Oh. And these are the basics. I don't know if you understand what I just said. These are the basics. If you flow in the charismatic, you can heal. You're like, oh, it's deep. Oh. But this, these are basics. Jesus speaking to disciples, he says that anyone who believes shall do what? Cast out devils. If he, if he eats any deadly thing, it will not hurt him. Trample upon serpent. This is a new convert he's talking about, not OGs. Not OGs. Hallelujah. So when it comes to finding home, it is very, very important that you consider these things. I'll stop here for today's teaching. And we're just going to pray a very important prayer. But Father, when I need to stand up for you and for the truth of your word, I'm able to stand up. Plant my feet in a local community where I'll be rightly discipled and trained. Begin to pray in the language of the Spirit. Plant my feet. Plant my feet. Mande koto pariatala. Mere de bala tereveno kozdai. Eredena man de bratila vandorokai. Rabedele de gede baradena tatate. Rababa de gede baru.